0: The Art of Play podcast. Here we are talking about the research of fun, talking to people who are contagiously playful, and inviting you to find creative ways to stay curious and develop your best self. Happy Friday, everybody. How are we all doing? How are you feeling about 2021? How do you like being in a new month of the year so far? So far, I think it's fine. It's, It's fine. 2021 is great. (laughs) So today, being the first Friday of the month, we have our challenge for the month that we're going to talk about. And we're going to lay down a few guidelines and and see where that takes us just a little bit. These challenges are meant to, at the very least, be a thought-provoking exercise and at the best, spark maybe a simple but impactful change in your life. So also remembering that challenges are as original as getting started with life. Life is meant to be a series of experiences that challenge us to improve even incrementally, but that's where the artistry develops. We've talked maybe two episodes ago about how the, the challenges and pushes actually create a better artist, and that's all of us in our, in our life-making ability. So this month I want you to think and challenge your expectations. I'm talking about the assumed expectations in our lives, not the outlined ones your boss gives you in a performance review, and I'm not talking about the expectations that are more like daydreams or the, you know, the hopes for yourself um, that that come out more like expectations. Um I'm talking about the filler fluff of expecting or assuming certain things will happen and and really like your assumed expectations. So let's go into a little bit of what expectations are. Expectations are a part of everyday life and I will show you why that's critical in your development and how you're not about to rewrite that code right now. Um, But expectations are really, really good until they are not functional. None of that is really going to make sense until I break this down just a little bit more. So first, let me just outline what we're going to talk about. So first, we're going to talk about the agreement of expectations. And then we're going to talk about the functionality of expectations. And finally, we will Sort of outline some steps to what I call qualifying or disqualifying our expectations to work more productively for us. So let's start. Let's chat about expectations. Expectations are a belief that something will happen or be the case. Now, I don't want you to think that that's all bad. So let's rewind just a little bit and talk about the agreements of reality. We have either been taught observed or we've witnessed or experienced the reality that we perceive most of what we quote unquote know to be true is handed off to us from the knowledge of those who have come before us we accepted the reality that our moms knew the stove was hot or believed our dad that the busy street was dangerous before we had our experience those situations um, to experience that on our own we learned what made siblings mad or hurt or afraid, and then we assumed others would act similarly, and our experience sort of created a dialogue of expectation in our lives. Our brains work to create that you know, expectation real. And of the millions of things we have learned in our lives, we have accumulated our knowledge by so many cues or observations and, yes, expectations. We have an unspoken agreement of expectation in order to most productively and quickly accumulate the knowledge we need in our brains to adapt and grow. This is a very good thing. This is how we have evolved to be such an efficient species, especially when it comes to learning And you are a highly capable human species. You are part of that process. You can accumulate knowledge without consciously knowing it. You probably know how the bank lobby smells, even if it's not a bad smell. Maybe it's just a familiarizing sense. Your expectation of what that's going to be like is hardwired into your brain and it you don't even have to think about it. I mean, you'll probably think about it if it's a bad smell, but if it's a nondescript smell, you won't even consciously recognize it's happening and think goodness. Can you imagine all of the sensory overload we would get so much of the time? But you know something looks off when your neighbor parks in a new spot or when they trim their bushes or Uh, I mean, you are highly observant whether or not you use your consciousness to make your observations. So whether or not you consciously think, oh, my neighbor trimmed their bushes, or whether you drive right past and think nothing of it, your brain and body made those observations and made those assumptions and expectations. So you made many agreements. Nonverbal and most likely unconsciously, in order to accumulate your knowledge of what you know to be true about the world, you agreed to certain people that you determined as authority figures, as well as you know, like you agreed to that information that the, you saw as someone with authority giving to you, as well as information that was just handed down by tradition. So things like, what shampoo did your mother always buy and why for the family? You know, maybe, maybe that was a conscious thought, maybe not. Maybe she bought different ones because she was a hairdresser. She liked to try things out. Maybe she bought different ones because she liked different smells. Maybe she never bought a different shampoo in her life. And you can predict that when you go home for Christmas, you'll be able to expect that that is in the shower. Or, you know, where did your family go out to dinner? What were your favorite places? Did you have a favorite place? And that you expected the food to be of similar quality every time that's what made it good. Those habitual choices seemed to come out of tradition. Whereas maybe choices like washing your hands after the bathroom may have started coming from your parent in the beginning But maybe you really started believing it in your science class when your science teacher grew the bacteria from your hand in a petri dish and you could see it for yourself. And that authority of them saying this is what's happening actually gave you the knowledge base and the experience to know that was an expectation. These sources have their benefits. For one thing, it eliminates you having to choose all these same things every single time can you imagine the decision fatigue thinking about every single mundane thing over and over and over and over and over over again we would go nowhere in life i mean if, if you had to actually physically think every day well am i gonna open my eyes or not in the morning am i going to i mean every single little tiny decision is unconscious. It's an expectation. This is what you do when you wake up. This is what you do when you go to bed. All of those expectations are hardwired into your brain for simplicity's sake. So expectations are a part of life. We're not getting rid of them, nor should we want to. Okay. Let's, let's just determine that fact. And what I want you to realize though, your brain is hardwired for efficiency. So the expectations you maybe were handed down by an authority figure or by tradition or just by the role you assumed in a family setup, all of that, your brain will divert to the easy course of the expectation it understands, it knows, it can predict. Your brain literally is hardwired to just say like, oh, I know the answer to this. Oh, I know the answer to this. Oh, I know the answer to this. And we're just going to push down that path. It wants the known income, the expected income, outcome, income. <laughs> it wants the known outcome, the expected outcome. And again, it's the belief that something will happen or be the case. Now, here's, from, here's where we move from talking about the agreement that we made with expectations to the functionality of the expectations. So we've established that they're highly functional for our brain's to perform at peak performance because we need to predict what will happen when we turn on the water to brush our teeth. And we need to predict what will happen when we drive to work in the morning. Our brains need that input to be predictable. And we need an expectation of what is about to become a reality. You know, this is why we have developed course structure and we you know we do an overview before we learn something in a class and or we you know we're given sort of a heads up as to what it's is going to happen because our brains like it (laughs) this is like an effective way that our brains learn where we start to get ourselves in trouble is when we start sort of gliding on our complacent expectations that maybe aren't the healthiest choices for us many many of our expected outcomes happen right we expect that the milk we bought yesterday will be in the fridge we expect that to happen and it just makes our life flow it's great therefore we are not going to address each tiny tidbit as how you expect the lights to go green at some point point. and in fact guess what even if you're stuck at a red light it eventually goes green or you run the light at the point that there's nobody around and you are you know need to get through the light, whatever. I'm not, let it be known, I'm not advocating running red lights. But what I'm saying is if you expect the light to turn green, even if it's red, it will eventually turn green. What we're talking about here is where our expectations begin to generate friction. The expectations in our life start maybe grinding up against different expectations that don't let life flow very well. So there's a, there's sort of an emotional chemical reaction that happens in the brain when something's not going as expected. So I don't want you to go straight to conflict when I mentioned friction, because remember that momentum has to be started with friction you have to actually give a push for momentum to start to build and have a direct path of motion so when I say your expectations generate friction think of it like the friction that maybe you know drags on a bike wheel sometimes it's not actually a huge problem you know especially if it's a light drag it's just creating enough friction that you notice okay the wheel is slowed very minimally And then, you know, eventually so that it doesn't stop the wheel, you keep pushing harder. If you're the person riding the bike, let's just keep going with this whole analogy, the bike, the brakes maybe continually drag on the wheels and you start working harder and harder when maybe it's a simple fix. Maybe it's a simple adjustment to get the bike to work in a way that is not causing you so much friction and hard work. So expectations generate friction sometimes for better and for worse. You know, sometimes they show us where we need to make adjustments and we need to figure out what that's about. We need to find the problem, take, take some inventory and fix it. Expectations are markers for what we expect out of our lives, right? Usually the expectations that we are conscious of tell they they give us a notation of our expectation of what we want out of an experience this is what makes them functional we have already agreed to them right so we walk into the experience with this expectation but in some cases we need to take accountability for what we expect in a given situation you know a lot of times it's in relationships but sometimes it's just for us that's really what we're focusing on because sometimes we're not in the position to fix other people or force our expectations on them. That's a different story. Okay. We need to know what is causing the friction, why, and if that creates a pain point that we don't want to deal with, how are we managing it or pushing through it, or how is that diverting our energy in unproductive ways? So just for an example, I'm really great at expecting to see results in the gym if I show up without really changing much of my input. I show up therefore I should get to be fit looking. Now let's be clear my expectation of fit looking also varies based on how my self-perception varies but that's a whole nother topic. The point here is that sometimes I have to take an accounting of how my actions are either complacent or correctional. Complacency can be pleasant and easy and necessary. Correctional can be minimal or it can be a complete overhaul remodel, which is intimidating. But my, let's go back to my efforts at the gym, really cannot be that if I literally just show up at the gym I should get the results because it's not accounting for any of the input that I put into the situation. The function of my expectation isn't actually getting me the outcome I want. So no accounting for the effort it may take me to get me to the fitness level that I desire is not the expectation being fulfilled. So there's, there's an adjustment of expectation and the reality that's happening. This is where we begin the work of qualification. Now that we have discussed in a very lengthy fashion, <laughs> we've established that there are so many expectations that we don't need to worry about. We don't need to worry about. We don't need to address them. We don't need to change them. All right? So not it's it's all right to let some expectations just flow even if they're you know minimally creating friction it's all right to just say i can't right now i don't right now i i don't want to right now and um if you have an expectation of someone else it is your problem yes you heard that right They have their own expectations in their own head, especially of the same situation they have. They bring different and unique perspectives to each individual scenario. And until you bring them into your experience by communicating, usually verbally to make sure that you're understood, it is your business that you expect that. If you have communicated an expectation, let's say it's been reasonably negotiated and maybe even agreed to, and then they don't perform up to the expectation. That is a qualified boundary to enforce. As it was your expectation that was communicated, agreed on, moved forward with as the expectation. And then it becomes a qualified boundary to enforce. Now, it's a tough road sometimes, but that is really only related to other people. So we can kind of disqualify what we're looking at as all of the unconscious expectations, right? We're not worried really about those. We are worried about the stuff that creates friction. Now, we're just going to gloss right through the relationship side of that, but we're going to focus on today the expectations you have for yourself. So something that expectations are sneaky about is because they're the easy path, we're not consciously deciding to maybe treat ourselves a little bit poorly or consciously deciding to make life harder for ourselves. So have you had a heart-to-heart with yourself with, you know, maybe some reasonable expectations that aren't working out or maybe they're unreasonable expectations that you haven't sat down and actually laid out to see if it's worthwhile for you so have you had a heart-to-heart with your expectations in mind I know this is not for everyone at this point in time it's very hard to change habits especially ones no one else seems to care about because they are your expectations but this little exercise that we're going to do next is just sort of a point you in the right direction just kind of point as an example So what is your expectation of what happens when you look at yourself in the mirror? So do you expect to find faults? And then if you do expect to find faults, what kind of faults? Because lipstick on the teeth is actually a really productive thing to find in a mirror, right? That would be a very helpful thing to look in the mirror and try and find that fault. But is it some, or is it something that maybe you feel is fundamentally unlikable about yourself, you expect to find something fundamentally unlikable about yourself in the mirror, that's unproductive. That, that is unproductive expectations. And a mirror can show you the reality that you're looking for. So if you are looking for something that you feel is fundamentally unlikable, you're probably going to tell your brain to find it. And if you go back and look at this, if you are expecting to find faults in the mirror, that's probably not an answer you should be sitting comfortably with. So disqualifying that as an expectation that is bringing you what you need out of that expectation is probably a good idea. Okay. We're going to try one more little exercise. So just, you know, cleansing breaths here for a minute, just breathe in and out. All right. Okay. I know that was, that wasn't that a good yoga meditation. Okay. Anyway, moving on. All right. How about your expectation for your motivation level? Do you talk to yourself in should form? I should want to get up earlier. I should love to do laundry. I should love to interact with my unlikable neighbor. I should be better at this. Or do you talk to yourself in an encouraging way, such as, I know that I did my best. It really did not give me the satisfaction I was looking for. So what small change can I make for the better? So depending on your answer here, whether you're in the should camp or whether you're in the motivational camp, both of those are expectations. Now, I'm sure you can tell which one is the healthier expectation of I expected my best. I really did try my best. Maybe I faltered a little bit in there, but really, you know, like 98% is really good. How, why did I not feel as though I was satisfied with that performance? That's a great, that's a great line of thinking, that expectation. On the other hand, the shoulds of expectation, who is setting that should? What expectation are you living up to or trying to live up to? Where is that should coming from? Should you really be thinking that? Should you really be doing that? Should you? Some inner monologue like that that's focusing too much on what you aren't doing is probably not as productive as okay i did this how can i do better or why didn't it give me the feeling i desired out of that expectation okay so all of those little expectations add up right the little nags the little hits of confidence out of the tens of thousands of thoughts, I think there was a study done, it was something like, something crazy, like 60,000 thoughts a day, every single day, the majority are either criticism or negative. Now, sometimes it's like, oh, I missed, you know, hey, we missed that stare a little bit, or hey, you know, sometimes we got to we gotta like really maybe push harder at the gym or whatever, right? There's sometimes those little criticisms are actually good feedback for your brain. But if we are fostering those negative thoughts too much, we are going to have expectations that are skewed towards the negative. So, how many of those can you turn to the positive sides? How many ways can you like you? How many goodnesses can you add? to your inner dialogue and remember some of those expectations okay most of your expectations you can thank others for other there's a, that social agreement to absorb information quickly from authority figures and from tradition and from the expectations of your family all of those you absorbed from others You are in charge of the inventory and you can clean house anytime you want, even small or simple changes you're in charge of. And and sometimes that's a good way to start getting momentum in the correct direction of getting the outcome you want out of those expectations. So even small and simple changes can have a drastic positive impact on Even just saying, I don't like how that expectation is making me feel, and I don't know what to do about it, but I need to think about it. Even that small thought will start bringing that expectation to light and helping you guide yourself in in maybe a more positive way that's enriching for your progression. All right. So we're circling back. We talked about the agreement of expectations and how we absorb them into our own reality. Then we talked about the functionality of expectations and how they function in our lives, which is a good thing. We want functional expectations that we don't even think about. And finally, we talked through a few steps to what I call qualifying or disqualifying our expectations to work much more productively for our progression. So the theme for this month, we're going to be talking about it all month in various ways, is about expectations. And I will be reminding you of the challenge to take a peek at your own expectations, to maybe even evaluate other, people ex- other people's expectations of you and why they affect you. And I would love to hear your thoughts about any expectations you may have recognized as being significant, what you're making a change for, what you've decided is worth keeping. So engage on social media. Find us at the Art of Play podcast Or you can email me at podcast at theoliverfund.org. I want to thank you especially because your listening ears have put us in the top 10% of podcasts. That is very wildly exciting to me. I'm geeking out about it a little bit. I've been geeking out about it since for a couple weeks now. And I want to thank you for being here and I want to... Just share my appreciation with the listeners, so stay tuned. We will have a little bit of a giveaway on the date, which is um, February 21st is when we released last year, but that puts us at the, um, why am I spacing on this, oh, February 19th we are going to do a an interactive sort of podcast giveaway. So stay tuned for how that's going to be. That's in two weeks from today. And I'm so thankful that you're here. And um, so yeah, thank you for being here. Here's to our weekly reminder. It's Friday. Everybody loves a Friday. So here's our weekly reminder to find a way to play today. And... Just a little. Just a little. All right. Oh,